Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. All of you in the room, all of you online, we're glad that you're here. So I wanted to, before I get into uh, the, the message this morning, I want to do kind of a quick update uh, because it's been a while since we've done this. And so uh, if you remember about five months ago, we had something really powerful in the life of our church. We all unified together around a central thing, and that was our Yes campaign, if you remember that. And uh, it culminated, as you know, with this mountain, and we all made some majorly powerful, incredible commitments. And, and what the whole Yes campaign was uh, five months ago was all about uh, asking everybody individually, all of us as families, everybody together, and we're asking this question, whatever God is asking you to say yes to, will you say yes? Remember that? We said, what, whatever God says, whatever God is asking you to say yes to, will you say yes to that? And will we as a church say yes to that? Now, um, we know that amazing things happened during that campaign. I'm not going to go back through all those stories because we've shared a lot of those. We'll share more, but we have shared a lot of those. So I'm not going to give update on all that. But you guys know that one of the main reasons we did that was a very practical reason. And that was because we are living on borrowed time here in the Village Center. No, they haven't started to kick us out, but it's kind of that pressure that you feel like you've gone to college or you've gotten a job and your parents are looking at you sideways. Are you leaving yet? You know, kind of a thing. And so uh, the Village Center is not doing that to us, but we also know we cannot stay here forever. We need a permanent place to live right, for our church to be, to exist. And so the Yes campaign was to do really to kind of charge forward with that, both spiritually and, of course, financially. And so what is great is, now you're like, well, good, why are we still in the Village Center, <laughs> right? Is, is that what some of you are like? You're like, good, but we're still here. That's true. So you might be wondering, how are we doing it, finding that like permanent location? Well, I want to give you an update that we are continually looking, we're looking, we, let me just say this, Anytime I see a plot of land, I don't care if there's a sign on it or not, I'm like, Lord, maybe that's it. If it is, give it to us. It's something along those lines. It's a little nicer than that, but anyway, that's essentially it. But truly, we have a building next to Epstein. We have a staff. We have an advisor team that is constantly looking at every plot of land. I kid you not, every plot of land that we know. We are asking everybody about these things. We're looking at every building that exists that might be of the possibly the right size, even in the slightest form that we could go in and we could renovate and change and create you know, what Northridge needs. Uh, currently, I'll just tell you this. No, I'm not going to tell you where. I'm not going to tell you what because every, I don't want three, four, five hundred people driving by the same building at the same time. Uh, I would get a call from the village of Wanakee and say, what did you do? You know? But there are a couple of buildings that we're looking at that would combine their one parcel that we're looking at right now. We're asking a set of critical questions, and we have to answer those questions to determine whether or not these buildings would actually work. So I'm just telling you that we are working on it. Um, there's not a lot of large buildings in Wanakee. And so we're, we're, we're kind of looking at every single thing that we can find, okay? So I wanted to let you know that that is happening, and we're working through those questions for these two specific buildings. Now... The other thing that I wanted to remind you of is this. As a result of the Yes campaign, if you remember, God really moved in amazing ways. 
If you remember our, our kind of our company that we hired to help us do this, they said that at most, at the highest level, we were going to be able to raise $600,000. But what you guys already know is, because we revealed it, and there was this amazing, critical, beautiful moment when we revealed all this, God brought us the ability, and we raised $1.38 million, right? We more than doubled the high amount that we were supposed to be able to get at the highest amount. Amazing. Now, here's what I wanted to do. This is promised money. That doesn't mean like we have 1.38 million sitting in our hands right now, right, as a church, right? You, you understand, this is a promise over the span of two years that a lot of you made, uh, Laura and I made as well, and so we're paying into this as well. 1.38 million. Now, as of three months ago, the end of May, we counted everything up. We, we tally all this, uh, you know, like every month, and so, but we're, we're, we have June and July that we still have to add in, but as of the end of May, that is 10% into two years, okay? Three months, it's more like 12%, okay? So it's just over 10%, about 12% into the campaign. How much do you think we would have in hand at 10 to 12% into the campaign? What do you think we might have in hand? Now, this is what's awesome. I want to give you an update on this. We have $675,000 plus already in hand. That's almost halfway, 12% in. That is awesome. God is good. Now, some of that is because you're like, okay, I committed to it. I want to just give it to you and I'm done, right? So that's true. Some of that's happening. But I want to bring this up because you, you, we had this campaign. And it's like, what's going on? Are we doing anything? And how's the money going? Like, how's this working? Because it's great that we had this great moment. And so what I want to tell you is you guys are doing awesome. Okay, those of you that already paid all you're in, way to go. Let's celebrate you. Woohoo! That's awesome. Okay, uh, some of you are like, you're on track. You're like Laura and I, and you have to pay like in installments, you know, little installments. We're like, okay, here we go, you know, and that's what we committed to. You're on track. That's awesome. Some of you, I know you've run into a couple of things, and you, you, some of you have let us know, some of you haven't let us know. Let us know. Talk to us about this. Like, you're kind of like, oh, what do we do? It's okay. I just wanted to let you know. What God did, he's still doing. And we're looking forward to see, you know what I actually think? I think it's quite possible that we end up more than 1.38 million at the end of two years because of the thing that God is doing. By the way, if you're brand new to this whole thing and you weren't here for that and you're curious about this, you want to jump in and get involved in that, of course you can do that. Just let us know, reach out through the website. Remember Nick said the connect card, all kind of stuff? Check out all that kind of stuff, all right? So I just wanted to give you an update so that you know. All right, now... Before we get into the message, it's been a long time since I felt this, but I feel like there's opposition here. That there's, there's opposition about what we're going to talk about. And I think it might be, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's, there's opposition with what we're going to deal with today. And so I'm going to pause one more time and just ask God to take care of whatever that is. Cool? So let's do that for a moment. Lord, Lord, I don't know if the opposition's me or if it's just the day or if it's the topic that we're about to cover. But whatever the opposition is, I pray against it by your blood and by your power. 
May you rule and reign in this place. May your truth be known. And if this message is something that a lot of people do not want to hear, but they need to, including me, <laughs> I know, I pray that you just make us open to it. Hear it as the truth that it is. I pray this and ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So have you ever wondered why you do the same things over and over and over and over again without thinking? Have you ever wondered why on January 2nd all the gyms and workout places are full, but on February 2nd they're kind of empty? Have you ever wondered why you brush your teeth the same way all the time? Every single morning you'd be like, why do I do it this way? And you just do it. Spit, do it, spit, and you're done. Why do we do things the same way? Whenever you get frustrated, why do you say the same phrase or the same words or the same things? Why do you do that? Have you ever wondered that? Have you ever wondered why you tend to go reach for the same food or the same dessert or the same drink all the time? Have you ever wondered why you do things that you don't want to do and you don't do the things that you know you want to do or should do? Have you ever wondered why that is? Like, why is it such an uphill battle? Why do we have these routines and we just constantly are doing these same things? Have you ever wondered that? Well, today, we're going to dig into the series that we've been in called Winning the War in Your Mind. And we are taking this whole series from this book. It's a great book. It's by Pastor Craig Rochelle. It's called Winning the War in Your Mind. Yes, we use the same title. And so the main points and all the principles and all the stuff that we're talking about is actually in this book. So Pastor Craig Rochelle gets the credit for all the stuff that we're talking about today, last week, and then the weeks ahead. Okay? Let me just tell you, I highly recommend this book. You will not like it because he calls you out for your thought life. How many of you love people digging in your thought life? Me neither, right? Me neither. But that's what he does. He digs into your thought life and he says, this is what's going on. Let's fix it. Because we all have issues in our thought life. And so you're not going to like it, but it's a really, really powerful book. So I highly recommend it. So we're in this series. We, we're talking about the most critical battle in your life. The most critical battle in your life begins here. And the reason it begins here is because you cannot do anything in life without it starting here. If you want to do anything, even as simple as throwing a ball, it has to start here. If you want to talk, it has to start here. If you want to pray, it has to start here. If you want to watch TV and actually use the remote. If you want to tell Siri or Google or whoever to turn it on. That's what we do now. Isn't that great? Used to be, do you remember the day when you walk, you'd have to have your parents walk you to the TV and like you had to turn the knob? Anybody remember that? I remember that. Click, 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 click. It was 2 through 13, right? Channels 2 through 13. And it would click, 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 click. Brent, get up. Change it to channel 7. Okay. Click, 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 click. Now we can just talk to our TV and tell, tell it what to do. It's a beautiful thing. But the truth is that whatever it is, whatever we're doing, it starts up here. And so what we talked about last week is the way that we need to start changing how we think is by removing the lies that we have, the lies that we're telling ourselves, the lies that Satan is giving to us, and replace it with truth. Well, today we're going to take it one step further. Next principle. Here's the principle. It's called the rewire principle. Rewire your brain, renew 
your mind. Rewire, renew. So Pastor Craig Rochelle says there's a, a sign in Alaska. I couldn't verify this. But he says there's a sign in Alaska that says, choose your rut carefully. You're going to be in it for the next 60 miles. That's pretty good. That's a pretty good sign. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what ruts you have in your brain. Yay! What ruts do you have in your brain? Now, let me talk about the brain for a minute because you're like, I don't have any ruts in my brain. I don't know what you, who you are, right? You're like, I don't have any brain ruts. Well, the truth is we all have brain ruts. What they're called in scientific terms is neural pathways. I prefer the term ruts. It's easier. But they're neural pathways. Every time you learn something new, guess what your brain does? Your brain re literally reforms itself to create a pathway, it's called a neural pathway, that makes it easier for you to do whatever you just did the next time. So when you do something, your brain's like, ooh, that was good. Okay, create a little pathway. Then the next day, you do it again. And the brain's like, yep, a better pathway. And then the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and all of a sudden, you have a rut in your brain. Now, this is a really, really good thing. You know why this is a good thing? Think about it. The fact that God made your brain this way, because that's what he did. God created your brain to have ruts. Like, thank you, God, for giving me ruts in my brain. But it's a good thing because it's how we learn. So let me give you some examples. Ruts in your brain, neural pathways in your brain, are good for things like brushing your teeth. Right? Because you get up and your parents maybe at some point or somebody taught you how to brush your teeth and you need to do this. And, you know, some of you were taught to swirl and some of you were taught to like back and forth. And some, who knows what's actually right? You know, some of you are like, well, I know what's right. It's the way that I do it. Thank you for being humble. Right? But we learn to brush our teeth. Now, here's what you don't want to do. And by the way, let's say, let's say riding the bike. When you learn to ride a bike, did your parents run alongside you? I did this with all three of my kids. And you get them so that they're going because they, they have to be moving. And I'm running alongside holding their back seat, right? And they get going, they get going. Good. And then they fall over. And then, okay, well, let's try it again. And we get going. And eventually, what happens? What happens? Have you seen this moment? You let go of them. And all of a sudden, they're just like, they're just like that. You scare them half to death. That's exactly what you do. That was perfect timing. We totally planned that. I'm just kidding. We didn't. But when you let go, what happens? All of a sudden, they're pedaling and, you, and they just leave you in the dust. And they're, 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 they're a little bit wobbly, but they're going. What happened in that moment? You know what happened? Your brain clicked in and created a rut. And that's a beautiful thing. But here's, here's what would not be beautiful. How many of you would love the fact that every morning you get up, now you have to relearn to brush your teeth or you have to relearn to ride your bike every time you do it? No, you don't have to, right? You're, you learned it. Your brain's got it. You know what that is? That's a rut. Your brain created a pathway so that you know what you're doing and it's going to get easier and easier and easier and easier. It's going to become routine really quickly. It's because God designed us to have ruts. These are good things for like brushing our teeth and riding our bike. Not so good for like overeating. Right? I have a neural pathway. You guys know what my neural pathway is. You know what my rut is? It's called cookies. You guys hear about it every Sunday. 
That's my rut. I mean, I'm serious. When I hear cookies, I see cookies, I smell cookies. I'm like, my brain just goes, yep, done. Like, no fighting it, done. Brent's going to go have a cookie and then he's going to have another one. Right? Because it's rut. It's not so good when we have overeating. It's not so good when we have something bad happen to us and we have to go to the store to buy something to feel better. A rut. It's not so good when we don't like how our life is going and we reach for the alcohol to self-medicate. Rut. See, ruts are good for some things, but ruts are very bad in other ways. And so today we're going to talk about how to take care of the ruts and what controls this. In fact, Scripture tells us this. Romans 8, 5, and 6 says this. It says, those who are dominated... By the sinful nature, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit, that please God. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the Spirit control your mind leads to peace, life and peace. So my question to you is, which one is controlling your mind? The sinful nature or the Holy Spirit? Do you have sinful ruts or do you have holy spirit ruts what's controlling your mind because we all have a lot of ruts don't we maybe you have a rut that um maybe you had a pretty tough childhood it was painful there's a lot of rough things bad things that happened to you you didn't ask for it it wasn't your fault but it was done to you and as a result, you, you have a rut of worthlessness. You have a rut, uh, a victim mentality rut. Nothing good's ever going to happen to me. I, I, the, the world is against me. I'm not going to ever get out of this. There's a lot of people that have that rut. Maybe you have a rut from, uh, I mentioned it earlier, that maybe something bad happened and in your life and your parents took you to go shopping to kind of take your mind off of it and your brain it felt good you're like "Ooh, i got a okay this happened but man i have a new shirt right or new shoes and your brain said mm, that feels good doesn't feel good when you get the credit card statement but it feels good and your brain says mm, that's nice that's better than the whole breakup thing that you went through let's go buy some more stuff Ooh, pathway, rut, neural pathway. See how ruts form? And all of a sudden we have these things. This is why we know, I've, I've harped on this so many times, they've created this to give you a brain rut. You know why we look at this thing? Because they, we have created a really big rut in our life where we need it. This is why when you drop it, what's your first thought? Oh no, my life is over. And then you pick it up and you're like, oh, it's okay. I really, I really thought we were done. The world was going to explode because I dropped my phone. It was going to be cracked. Why? Because we have a neural pathway, a rut in our brain that says, this is life. And the truth is, it's life in a deeper, insidious way. Because we love social media, not so much because we love to see what everybody else is doing, but because we love to escape real life in our own life. And it's easier to do this than to face what we're doing. It's a rut. 
See, ruts form really, really fast, really easily because that's how God created our brain. And so it's important that we are creating the ruts that God wants us to create. So the question is, well, okay, if this is true, right? Maybe you're asking this. If this is true and I have ruts in my brain, yay, isn't this an encouraging sermon? Aren't you just like, man, I want to get up early and do setup too with this church so that I can be ready for these kinds of things every Sunday. So encouraging. Man, lift us up. Woo, raise the roof. The truth is you do have ruts. We all have ruts. We have good ruts. We have bad ruts. Now the question is, how do we get rid of the bad ruts, the lies in your life that you've believed for decades? How do we get rid of them? Well, Here's one thing that we do that doesn't work. This is, I've done this many times. I try to change the behavior that I want to change. Anybody tried to change the behavior? Anybody made a New Year's resolution? You're like, man, I am going to work out every single day this year. 365, I'm working out 360. In fact, I'm going to do two workouts in one of the days, 366 days. I'm going to nail it. Now, let me ask you, how'd it go? I'm guessing it didn't. I've done the same thing. So I'm harping on myself here. Okay? Why can't we do that? Because you can't change the habit because all you're doing is addressing the symptom. You're not addressing the problem. The problem is here. It's not in what you're doing because what you're doing leads and starts from here. So we've got to change our thinking before. For example... Uh, let's say you have this really ugly tree in your yard. You hate this tree. It drops gunk all over your yard. Some of you are smiling. Like, I see this. Some of you are like, you're thinking of a tree in your yard. That's awesome. I didn't think that that was going to happen. Some of you are like, oh, I do have one of those. Man, stupid tree. Right? Now you're angry because I just brought up the tree and it drops all the junk on the stuff. Now we have to clean it up. Okay, let's say, think about that tree. Okay, some of you are like, I love my trees. Okay, good. I'm glad you do. But let's just say you have a tree that you hate. And you want to get rid of that tree. And so you go out there with a saw and you find one of the branches and you cut one of the big branches off. And you saw that sucker down and you cut it up and you drag it out to the curb or you take it to the dump. And then you go back inside and you look at that tree and you're like, yep, that tree's gone tomorrow. And then you go to bed and you wake up and you're like, the tree's still there. What happened? Hmm. Now, is that absurd? Of course it's absurd. And yet we do the exact same thing in our life. You're trying to treat a problem by cutting off a branch? Mm, that won't work. You've got to treat the problem. The issue is a rut in your brain. You've got to change the way you think in order to change the way you live. Just like if, let's say you go to the doctor for a cough. You go to the doctor, I have a cough. And the doctor says, well, we've done some tests and you have some lung disease. And you're like, whatever. I, I just need some cough drops. And so you say, you don't take the doctor's advice. You go and find the nearest store and you get the biggest bag of cough drops you can find. And you just start popping those things like candy. Some of you do pop those things like candy, don't you? You're like, I love cough drops. My kids sometimes, they like cough drops. I'm like, no, 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 lay off the cough drops. You know, they get a cold, they're like, ooh, I can have cough drops now. Are the cough drops going to solve the problem? No. Why? Because you're not treating the problem. You're treating a symptom of the problem. Same way with your mind. 
What's our key verse for this series? Let me remind us. Romans 12, 2. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you. How is God going to transform you into a new person? By changing the way you, what does it say there? By changing the way you think, by changing your ruts in your mind, God has to change how you think. Then, what will happen? Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We have to change the way we think if we're going to change the way we live. So how do we do this? How do we infuse these ruts or change these ruts into something else? Well, the way that we're going to do that and Pastor Craig Rochelle talks about this in a lot more detail. Again, you should get the book because I can't go into this in depth. But essentially what you have to do is you have to get rid of the old rut. And you can't just get rid of it. You can't just take, you know, do brain surgery and say, let's just fill in the rut. You can't do that. So what you have to do is you have to replace the rut with a bigger, deeper, more powerful truth trench. Now just think about this for a minute. Okay, A rut is something that happens. A trench is something that is created to make sure the flow is right. Am I right? A rut just happens. A trench is intentionally formed. That's what we need to do in our brain. You need to get rid of the old rut that's just formed, the habits that you formed by your thinking, and we're going to replace it with a truth trench. Now, let me ask you this, where are you going to get the information or the uh, new thoughts for your truth trench? Where are you going to get that? Hint, you're not going to get it from social media. <laughs> oh, just, uh, you're not going to get it from Google. I don't know about you, but I go to Google a lot. Hey? You're not going to get it from your friend's opinion. I'm sure your friends are amazing. Just don't get a truth trench from them. Hey? You're not going to get it from your favorite playlist or your favorite podcast or your favorite TED Talk. You're not going to get your truth trench from there. Where you're going to get it from is from God's Word. This is your truth trench. This is where you're going to get truth from. And so let's talk about this because how in the world do I get truth from this? How do I ingrain this into here, into here? How do I get this into here? Right? And some, some, this, is, this is that moment where the kids in the room, right? They're kind of like, uh, yeah, how do we do that? Do we like have to open you up? And, right? right? I mean, you get some of those questions. Have you gotten those questions? I've gotten those questions when I've been teaching this kind of stuff. They're like, uh, how do you get it in there? Well, let's talk about that because I'm not sure that we know how. Well, the way that we do this is how Scripture tells us to do this. Let me read a couple of examples. Joshua 1.8 says, study this book, the Bible, of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Meditate on it day and night. So what this means is you should no longer even go to bed or have sleep. Just at nighttime, don't sleep. Just read God's word all night. That's what you do. It's going to go really well for you. Okay, I'm lying to you. That's not true. Okay, that's not what it means. What it does mean, though, is it means that you've got to figure out how to focus on this, ingrain this, get this into your life. Psalm 1-2 says the same thing. It says, delight in the law of the Lord. Again, the Bible, 
meditating on it day and night, continually focus on it, repeat, repeat, repeat. And this is more than just we read it. We have to listen to it. We have to focus on it. We have to memorize it. How did Jesus get rid of Satan in his life when he was being tempted? How did he do it? He quoted what? He quoted scripture. How did Jesus know that? Do you think that he read it like four months ago, one time? No way. He memorized it. He ingrained it. He focused on it. He repeated it. And some of you are like, well, he's God. Minor details. The truth is, yes, he is God, but he also was fully human, and so he had to ingrain Scripture into who he is and who he was. The same is true for you and I. We've got to ingrain this. We've got to metastasize this everywhere we have. Our brain, our heart, our bones, our body, everything, our decisions, everything. This has to be attached to everything we do. How are you going to do that? You have to read it. You have to listen to it. You have to memorize it. You have to learn it. You have to study it. Repeat, repeat, repeat. You remember that, you remember that joke? Pete and repeat were in the boat. Pete fell out. Who's left? Who's, fell, who's left? Repeat. Yeah, Pete and repeat were in the boat. Pete fell out. Who's left? Okay, we're done, right? You're like, please stop. The truth is, how you feel about that joke is sometimes how you're going to feel about Scripture. Oh, again? Yep. Again. Repeat. Because the only way that this gets ingrained into you is if you focus on it repeatedly. By the way, can I tell you how some of the lies in your brain got there? It's not because it's an actual lie. It's not even because you believed it the first time. One of the reasons that lies get stuck in our brain is because we've heard it over and over and over again, and eventually it became truth to us. Repetition is powerful both in good and bad ways. What are you repeating? My suggestion is God's word. Something worth repeating. Okay. There's so many different things that I maybe feel like I should jump into, but I'm going to pull myself back a minute. The greatest weapon that you have against lies and doubt and fear and selfishness and hatred in your life and in our world is the truth of God and His Word. This is your greatest weapon. But let me just be very clear. A weapon is useless if it is not used. It does not work. It does not help if you have one of these in your house somewhere sitting on a shelf. I've noticed sometimes I go to people's houses and, and they've laid their Bible out. And I see a little dust on the corner. I've literally seen this. I'm like... You missed a spot. <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm just saying. I'm like, oh, oh, that's really dusty on that one spot. They missed it. <laughs> Appreciate the effort. Sitting on a shelf, really doing you no good. You might as well hand it to somebody else. Seriously, give it to somebody else that's actually going to use it. Because a weapon that is not used is useless. Use it. It's your best weapon. 
Now, okay, I have to keep going. Now, you might be here and you're thinking something in your head right now. It's possible. That you're thinking, I think you're being kind of dramatic this morning. Right? You might be thinking, I have more control over my brain than you realize. Okay. You might be thinking, uh, it's not that bad. My, I don't have these ruts, or if they are ruts, they're small ruts, and I can drive out of them anytime I want. It's not Alaska. And I'm here to tell you that that's one of the ruts and the lies that you have believed, maybe for a long time, and we need to get you out of it. Let me prove to you for a moment that the ruts in your brain control your life. It's a strong statement, but let me prove to you that that's true. The ruts in your brain control your life. What you can do and what you cannot do is controlled here. God designed it that way. We need to make sure the ruts are right. Let me prove it to you. So some of you have probably heard of this guy. I actually showed a short clip of this video several years ago on a Sunday morning. So some of you are going to remember this. But in this time, I didn't clip it. I'm going to show you the whole video. So there's this guy named Destin. He does these series of videos called Smarter Every Day. Highly recommend them. Really, really good stuff. Okay? His name is Destin. He does these Smarter Every Day videos. He's got millions of views. I think this video alone is like 30 million views. Okay? It's an amazing video. I'm not going to give you any context other than this. What he is going to demonstrate to you in just a moment on this video is he's going to prove to you that the ruts in your brain have far more control than you ever have wanted to admit. Even if it's frustrating to you. It's true. He's about to prove to you that your brain ruts control you. That's the only context I'm going to give. Let's watch this video. It's like seven minutes long, so sit back, get comfortable and enjoy it. It's one of the better videos you're ever going to watch. Take a look. Hey, it's me, Destin. Welcome back to Smarter Every Day. You've heard people say it's just like riding a bike, meaning it's really easy and you can't forget how to do it, right? But I did something. I did something that damaged my mind. It happened on the streets of Amsterdam, and, and I got really scared, honestly. I, I can't ride a bike like you can anymore. Before I show you the video of what happened, I, I need to tell you the backstory. Like many six-year-olds with a MacGyver mullet, I learned how to ride a bike when I was really young. I had learned a life skill and I was really proud of it. Everything changed though when my friend Barney called me 25 years later. Where I work, the welders are geniuses and they like to play jokes on the engineers. He had a challenge for me. He had built a special bicycle and he wanted me to try to ride it. He had only changed one thing. When you turn the handlebar to the left, the wheel goes to the right. When you turn it to the right, the wheel goes to the left. I thought this would be easy, so I hopped on the bike, ready to demonstrate how quickly I could conquer this. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Destin Sandlin. First attempt riding the bicycle. All right. So, the faster I go, the better. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I couldn't do it. You can see that I'm laughing, but I'm actually really frustrated. In this moment, I had a really deep revelation. My thinking was in a rut. This bike revealed a very deep truth to me. I had the knowledge of how to operate the bike, but I did not have the understanding. Therefore, knowledge is not understanding. Look, I know what you're probably thinking. Destin's probably just an uncoordinated engineer and can't do it, but that's not the case at all. 
the algorithm that's associated with riding a bike in your brain is just that complicated. Think about it. Downwards force on the pedals, leaning your whole body, pulling and pushing the handlebars, gyroscopic precession in the wheels, every single force is part of this algorithm. And if you change any one part, it affects the entire control system. I do not make definitive statements that often, but I'm telling you right now, you cannot ride this bicycle. You might think you can, but you can't. I know this because I'm often asked to speak at universities and conferences and I take the bike with me. It's always the same. People think they're gonna try some trick or they're just gonna power through it. It doesn't work. Your brain cannot handle this. For instance, this guy. I offered him $200 just to ride this bike 10 feet across the stage. Everybody thought he could do it. No, 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 no. No, you didn't understand. You didn't understand. So, this way. All right, I'm sick. All right, so, uh, whatever you're in. Quickly! No, no, you have to keep your feet on. Dude, all right, here we go. Just give me a minute. Like, you gotta start rolling at least. Once you have a rigid way of thinking in your head, sometimes you cannot change that, even if you want to. <laughs> so here's what I did. It was a personal challenge. I stayed out here in this driveway and I practiced about five minutes every day. My neighbors made fun of me. I had many wrecks, but after eight months, this happened. One day I couldn't ride the bike and the next day I could. It was like I could feel some kind of pathway in my brain that was now unlocked. It was really weird though. It's like there's this trail in my brain, but if I wasn't paying close enough attention to it, my brain would easily lose that neural path and jump back onto the old road it was more familiar with. Any small distractions at all, like a cell phone ringing in my pocket, would instantly throw my brain back to the old control algorithm and I would wreck, but at least I could ride it. My son is the closest person to me genetically and he's been riding a normal bike for three years. That's over half his life. I wanted to know how long it would take him to learn how to ride a backwards bike, so I told him if he learned how to ride a backwards bike, he could go with me to Australia and meet a real astronaut. Are you gonna give up? No. Go ahead. This is how it starts. Look at this. This is such a big deal. Get up, you got it. Did you see his brain get it? So he, in, how many weeks have we been doing this? Two weeks? In two weeks, he did something that took me eight months to do, which demonstrates that a child has more neuroplasticity, am I even saying that right, than an adult. It's clear from this experiment that children have a much more plastic brain than adults. That's why the best time to learn a language is when you're a young child. All right, today's bike log. I can ride smooth, I can ride fast. I'm thinking the experiment is over. Okay, now I'm in Amsterdam, a city that has more bicycles than people. The question is, can I ride a normal bike now? I mean, I've spent all this time unlearning how to ride a bike. If I go back and try to ride a normal one, will my brain mess up? So I've tweeted a Smarter Everyday Meetup, if you will, and I'm gonna see if somebody brings a bicycle and I'm gonna try to ride a normal bike. This was one of the most frustrating moments of my life. I had ridden a normal bike since I was six, but in this moment, I couldn't do it anymore. I had set out to prove that I could free my brain from a cognitive bias, 
But at this point, I'm pretty sure that all I've proved is that I can only redesignate that bias. So what you're not seeing is just a group of people here looking at me, looking at the strange American <laughs> that can't ride a bike because they think I'm dumb. But I'm actually two levels deep into this because I've learned and unlearned. All right. After 20 minutes of making a fool out of myself, suddenly my brain clicked back into the old algorithm. I can't explain it, but it happened in a very specific moment. <laughs> I got it, I got it, I got it. I'm back. Oh, it clicked, it clicked. hold it, it clicked. I got it, I got it. Okay, there it is. There was the moment. Okay, I can ride a bike. I tried to explain this to the people around me and they just didn't get it. They thought I was faking the previous 20 minutes and I couldn't get anybody to believe me. That looked like I faked that, didn't it? Yeah. Just a fake. Yeah. You think I'm faking, you don't move. It looks so Actually. weird, you were like, You think I'm lying, don't you? Yeah, I am not lying. I felt like the only person on the planet who had ever unlearned how to ride a bike and I couldn't articulate it to anyone because everybody just knew that you can't forget how to ride a bike. So I learned three things from this experiment. I learned that welders are often smarter than engineers. I learned that knowledge does not equal understanding. And I learned that truth is truth, no matter what I think about it. So be very careful how you interpret things because you're looking at the world with a bias, whether you think you are or not. I'm Destin, you're getting smarter every day. Have a good one. What if? What if God designed you to ride a bicycle the correct way? Fast, balanced, freedom. But because of the ruts, you're actually riding the bike in a backwards way, completely opposite of what God is asking you and created you to do. What if that's the fight that we're all dealing with in life right now? because of this. My question to you is, will you consider surrendering this so that God can take this and change the way you think, which will change the way you live? What I truly believe is that God will give you a reality and experience and a life that you've always been created for and wanted to have. I truly believe that. The question is, will you give this to him so that you can experience that? No more, no more backwards bicycle riding. Let's be living with God and surrender this to him. Let's get rid of the ruts. Choose your rut carefully because you will be in it for the rest of your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, these kinds of things, Lord, are not easy to face. The truth is it's fun to watch Destin try to ride the bicycle and it's kind of funny to, to talk about you know rut you're going to be in the next for 60 miles and 
talk about my rut of loving cookies and all those kind of things. It's easy to talk about this stuff, but the truth is that there are deep, deep, deep ruts in people's minds here this morning. There's victim mentalities. There's, there's feelings and beliefs of worthlessness. There's, there are beliefs that alcohol or drugs or pornography or, or a relationship is what is going to make their life complete. There are ruts, there are lies in this place, in this community that people are believing and they're riding the bike backwards and you're like, there's a better way. God, you've given us a better way. So in this moment, I pray that you would help everybody to realize that the ruts that they have, some of those ruts need to be destroyed. They need to be replaced with truth, your truth so that they can ride, so they can live free in the way that you've created us to be. God, help us to ask the question, what ruts have we created, have we developed in our brain, and what needs to go the other way? So that we can stop living life backwards. Help us to trust you, God us to follow you. We pray this and we ask this in your name, Jesus. Amen.